Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny. Today is Tuesday, September 26th, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, I want to say welcome. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, no specific topics, and no specific categories. But we do have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. That's right, it's Monday through Friday. We take the weekends off here at My Daily Trivia. Five out of seven days, that's pretty good. Now today is Tuesday, so that means that today will be relatively easy. Of course, it's harder than yesterday, but not quite as hard as tomorrow. Now if you find this episode to be a bit too challenging, I encourage you to listen to it anyway. As a matter of fact, I think you should listen to all the days of the week. On the other hand, if you find this episode to be maybe a bit too simple for your tastes, well... Not to fear, we're going to have an even harder episode tomorrow on Wednesday. Now, without any further delay, let's get into today's round of Tuesday questions with question number one. At what temperature are Celsius and Fahrenheit the same? And the answer there is negative 40 degrees. Celsius and Fahrenheit are two important temperature scales. The Fahrenheit scale is used primarily in the United States, while Celsius is used throughout the world. The two scales have different zero points, and the Celsius degree is bigger than the Fahrenheit. However, there is one point on the Fahrenheit and Celsius scales where the temperatures in degree are equal, and this is negative 40 degrees. So, negative 40 degrees Celsius and negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit are equal. A few other points to call out. Uh, boiling point for, for both temperatures, 212 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 100 degrees in Celsius, and then the freezing point in Fahrenheit is 32 degrees whereas the freezing point in Celsius is zero. For our non-American listeners, I know. I know you're scratching your head, wondering why we do things differently. And to answer that, I don't know. Maybe that'll be a trivia question for perhaps another day. But for now, what we can say is that uh, Celsius and Fahrenheit, they're the same at negative 40 degrees. Question number two. Which country hosts the largest glacier in Europe? And the answer there is Russia. The Severny Island ice cap is an ice cap on, of course, Severny Island the northern island of the Novoya Zemla archipelago in Russia. Now, by the way, if I mispronounce that, apologies. The ice cap covers 40% of Zverny Island and a total area of approximately 7,900 square miles. That's roughly equivalent to 20,500 kilometers squared, which, if the island of Novaya Zemla is considered within Europe, that makes it the largest glacier by area in Europe, 
just ahead of a glacier called the uh, the Vatna Jokol. Again, apologies for mispronunciation. And that one is located in Iceland. Now, of course, depending on where you grow up, different parts of the world include Western Russia as part of Europe. And so perhaps you would have guessed Russia. And maybe depending on where you grew up, Russia isn't part of Europe. It all kind of depends. And so if you would have said Iceland, maybe I would have given it to you. I, I could see an argument there. But for the sake of, of the show, just know that Russia has the largest glacier in Europe. Question number three. What is the official currency of Malta? And if you're spending money in Malta, then you are spending the euro. The lira, or pound, was the currency of Malta from 1972 until the 31st of December 2007. The euro replaced the lira as the official currency of Malta on the 1st of January 2008 at the irrevocable fixed exchange rate of 1 euro per 0.42 of the year of the lira so that's roughly a that's that's approximately equal to about 2.3 euros to one lira so if you guess the euro it's a safe guess very good guess and prior to that it was the lira so if you're spending money in malta just know that that's the exchange you're gonna have to do moving on to question number four another russia question coincidentally what is the official residence of the president of Russia? And that residency is called the Grand Kremlin Palace. So much like in the United States, we have the White House. They have the Grand Kremlin Palace. The Grand Kremlin Palace is a building in the Moscow Kremlin, of course. For much of the 19th century, it served as the official residence of the Russian emperor in Moscow. It was actually designed by a team of architects and built from 1837 to, to 1849, uh, and the palace was actually intended to emphasize the greatness of Russian autocracy. As of 2023, the Grand Kremlin Palace serves as the official working residence of the president of Russia. Now, I looked up some pictures of the Grand Kremlin Palace, and I can indeed confirm it does look like something where an emperor would live. It looks like, uh, it looks like a palace. It fits the name for sure. So that is the Grand Kremlin Palace, the official residence of the president of Russia. Question Number five, in which city did the COVID-19 pandemic first emerge in late 2019? And that Chinese city is Wuhan. The COVID-19 pandemic also known as the coronavirus pandemic, was a global pandemic of coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19. 
It was caused by severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, also known as SARS-CoV-2. The novel virus was first identified in an outbreak in the Chinese city of Wuhan in December of 2019. Attempts to contain it there failed, allowing the virus to spread to other areas of Asia and later worldwide in 2020. And of course, the rest is history. I'm sure many of us lived well. Anyone listening to this that uh, is over the age of three certainly lived through that, and so we can probably remember the rest. So that started in Wuhan in 2019. Moving on to question number six. What common ingredient is used to make bread rise and become fluffy in the baking process? And that ingredient is yeast. Yeast are eukaryotic, single-celled microorganisms classified as members of the fungus kingdom. It is used in baking as a leavening agent, converting the fermentable sugars present in the dough into carbon dioxide. Now, this causes the dough to expand or rise as gas forms pockets or bubbles. Then, when the dough is baked, the yeast dies and the air pockets are set, quote-unquote, giving the baked product a soft and spongy texture. Now, my wife is from France, born and raised in France, and this is very important, of course. And so I have learned quite a bit from her based on yeast and the importance of it in baking bread. Moving on to question number seven. Who was the first Roman emperor known for his role in the transition from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire? And that first Roman emperor was Caesar Augustus. Now, I want to be clear. This is not Julius Caesar. If you said Julius Caesar, I would not give that one to you. This is Caesar Augustus, also known as Octavian. He was the founder of the Roman Empire, and he reigned as the first Roman emperor from the tw- from 27 BC until his death in AD 14. Augustus dramatically enlarged the empire, annexing Egypt, Dalmatia, Pannonia, Norcum, and Raetia. This was, a, and he also expanded possessions in Africa, and completed the conquest of Hispania. Now, contrary to popular belief, Julius Caesar was actually not the first emperor. He was a uh, a leader in the city. He was a leader of the of the of the republic, um, but it was actually his great. We see his great-grand-nephew, Caesar Augustus, that later became the first emperor. Now, recently, there was this trend online of women asking men how often they thought of the Roman Empire. My sister asked me that question. I was not aware of the, uh, of the trend, and I told her probably once a week, to which my wife quickly chimed in and said, absolutely not, you probably think of it every day, which is maybe fair, but in my defense... I don't think about the Roman Republic, the Roman Empire that much. I think about more like Napoleon, you know, his empire. I think about that a lot. I think about Alexander the Great a lot. 
Women were very surprised by how often men think about the Roman Empire, but I think they would be just be shocked at how often we think of empires, conquests, wars of the past. I mean, women would be absolutely shocked to hear much, how much we think about World War II. If they're surprised at how much we think about the Roman Empire, they would be blown away at how often men think about World War II. And I, I'm stating that not as an opinion. I truly, <laughs> I truly think that that is a fact. That's not just coming from me. I think that's most men. But in any case, you don't get the Roman Empire, and you don't get men thinking about the Roman Empire without the first emperor, Caesar Augustus. Question number eight. Which famous artist is known for painting artworks like The Starry Night? And that artist was Van Gogh. The Starry Night is an oil-on-canvas painting by the Dutch post-impressionist Vincent Van Gogh. Painted in June 1889, it depicts the view from the east-facing window of his asylum room at Saint-Rémy-de-Provence just before sunrise with the addition of an imaginary village. This painting is widely regarded as Van Gogh's magnum opus, and The Starry Night is one of the most recognizable paintings in Western art. I'm sure you've seen it before, and if you can't think of it right now, when you get a chance, Google it, you'll recognize it. I'm sure you will. That is The Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. Moving on to question number nine. A location called The Battery is the most southern point on what island? And that island is none other than Manhattan, Manhattan, New York. The Battery, formerly known as Battery Park, is a 25-acre public park located at the southern tip of Manhattan Island in New York City, facing the New York Harbor. The park and surrounding area is named for the artillery batteries that were built in the late 17th century to protect the settlement behind them. The park reopened in 1952 after a renovation, but then subsequently went into decline. The Battery Conservancy, which was founded in 1994, then underwrote and funded the restoration and improvement of the once dilapidated park. In 2015, the Conservancy restored the park's historical name, the Battery. So, if you're ever in Manhattan and you want to go to the south end of the island to check out New York Harbor, make sure you swing by Battery Park. Moving on to our last question of the day, question number 10. Who was the first woman to fly solo nonstop across the Atlantic Ocean, accomplishing this historic feat in 1932? And that impressive woman was, of course, the one, the only, Amelia Earhart. Amelia Mary Earhart was an American aviation pioneer and writer. 
Earhart was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. She set many other records, was one of the first aviators to promote commercial air travel, she wrote best-selling books about her flying experiences, and she was instrumental in the formation of the 99s, which was an organization for female pilots. During an attempt at becoming the first woman to complete a circumnavigational flight of the globe in 1937, Earhart and navigator Fred Noonan disappeared over the central Pacific Ocean near Howland Island. Nearly one year and six months after she and Noonan disappeared, Earhart was officially declared dead. So that was Amelia Earhart, a very impressive lady. I did some research on her, read a lot about her. She was kind of a badass. She she was she was a real badass. She did some cool stuff. Um, I actually did not know that there was someone else with her when she died, when her plane went missing. I thought that she was on a solo trip, but uh, shout out to Fred Noonan, who also disappeared. I think maybe he gets uh, maybe a little overlooked at times. So two lives were lost, uh, but not until she flew that first solo nonstop flight across the Atlantic Ocean. So that will conclude this round of My Daily Trivia. Of course, if you found this round to be a bit simple, well, I encourage you to check in tomorrow on Wednesday. We're going to make it a little bit more challenging. If, however, you found this episode to be a bit too hard for your tastes, I encourage you to check in anyway. You never know. You might surprise yourself. You might know the answer to some pretty tough questions. And even if you don't, you'll probably learn something along the way. As always, we encourage you to tell your friends, tell your family about our show. We're trying to grow the show. We're trying to make this the number one trivia podcast. I want to thank all of you again for listening to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see all of you tomorrow. <laughs>